0: Welcome to the Reflections on Parkinson's Disease podcast. In this podcast, we hope to demystify Parkinson's disease, looking at everything from the basics to the cutting edge. Whether you are a healthcare professional, sufferer, carer, or family member looking to learn more, leading experts Professor Baz Bloom and Professor Werner Poover will help uncomplicate the subject. Orowen presents Reflections on Parkinson's Disease podcast. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Parkinson Alphabet. I'm here at the MDS Congress in Madrid in Spain with my dear friend and colleague Professor Bas Blom. Um, Professor of Neurology at the University of Nijmegen at Radboud Hospital, an eminent Parkinsonologist and movement disorder specialist and a good old friend. I'm Werner a Emeritus Professor of Neurology at Innsbruck Medical University in Austria. Um, We're grateful for support by Bial for this uh, series uh, of letters in the alphabet we're doing right now. Um, And it's about the letter O today, Baz, and there are a number of O things with with Parkinson's disease, including, and they're all relevant for treatment, the ones we're talking about today, they include the on and off, the on-demand, or even drugs, some O drugs, like Opicapone, the COMT inhibitor. Um, Give us a brief intro, our audience, on the on-off problem in Parkinson's.
1: Yeah. Lovely to be here physically together. You're so close together. How (laughs) wonderful. Um, So the on-off fluctuations is something that most parking sonologists in the world will recognize. It's the fluctuations between situations where patients are relatively good and periods when they are relatively not so good, uh, the on and the off phases. Uh, The on phases can be accompanied by involuntary movements, the dyskinesias. And this is all related to the pulsatile way of stimulating the dopaminergic systems with oral medication, Um, where increasingly the changes in the uh, plasma levels uh, will start to mimic the clinical response of the patients. And this is indeed very debilitating because of their partially predictable nature, but partially also unpredictable nature. It catches patients by surprise. And definitely, if you speak to patients in clinical practice, these response fluctuations, these on and offs, is something they'd like to get rid of. I tell my patients, it's once they are there, You can't get rid of it, but you can reduce the proportion of the day with a bad off time and increase the proportion of the day with a good on time. And fortunately, we have a range of strategies and maybe, uh, Werner, you want to uh, elaborate a little bit on the strategies to do that.
0: Yeah, that's indeed uh, a lucky thing, the good thing about the bad thing, yeah. that we have a number of strategies. And uh, most of them rest upon the principle to somehow iron out the underlying problem of the levodopa pharmacokinetics and the levodopa delivery, which is very discontinuous with multiple peaks and troughs yep. in plasma as we dose the oral drug. And we have strategies to adjust for that in some way. Commonly used approaches, of course, are to move to higher frequencies of dosing. When you've started someone on three times daily, you will move to four times daily. Some people even recommend start with four times every four hours. Uh, We will try and educate our patients that there are certain behavioral things, a certain lifestyle elements that can influence these fluctuations uh, related to food intake, that levodopa tablets should be ingested ideally upon an empty stomach to ensure optimal absorption and rapid onset of effect. These things are all important. Uh, Even issues like bacterial overgrowth in the gut can interfere with the absorption of the drug and cause fluctuations in response and on-off phenomena. So we can access that therapeutically and then we can add things that will alter the pharmacokinetics in a beneficial way, peripherally uh, of levodopa, uh, prolong the half-life of levodopa and thereby um, have longer times during which therapeutic levels are maintained in the blood. And One of the easier approaches in clinical practice is to use uh, inhibitors of the major enzyme that will lead to Uh, transversion, conversion of of levodopa after oral ingestion, that's the COMT. We already used, and people are not always aware of that, when we give levodopa, we actually give levodopa plus an enzyme inhibitor. And that's an inhibitor of uh, dopa, of the aromatic amino acid decarboxylase, because that's the major metabolic pathway we want to prevent formation of dopamine from levodopa in the periphery. But uh, that leads leads to an in, in enhanced use of the other pathway, which is through this enzyme CMT, exactly. And if we block that, there's significant prolongation of the other. So that's, that's something we do. And the, the drug I mentioned, because of the O, uh, was a pick-up the most recently, several years ago, um, a marketed drug in Europe and now globally, uh, which is a once-daily uh, long-acting CMT inhibitor that has been shown to smooth fluctuations out. But we can also do adjunct enzyme inhibitors centrally uh, once levodopa has entered the brain, has been transformed to dopamine. We can also uh, delay its breakdown, the breakdown of dopamine, by giving inhibitors of MaOB, monoamine oxidase B, which is a, a glial enzyme that removes dopamine from the synapse. So we can play around with that. We have long-acting dopamine agonists we can supplement our treatment with, and we can play around when it becomes more complicated with alternative delivery techniques uh, up to Device-aided, um, semi-invasive, I should say, infusion therapies using pumps. So there's a broad armamentarium, and even moving into surgery, DBS for this target, depending on severity, depending on the careers. It's a it's a complex field, and it does require one has to say it does require some expertise in in handling these these approaches. But Baz, and I want to throw this back at you, um, this question about treatment and I wonder whether you agree, regardless of what we do among all these measures and the combinations, um, most patients who do fluctuate with on and off will not get to a situation where they will no longer have any of this.
1: Exactly, exactly. Well, this is what I was trying to allude at earlier. Is I tell my patients that the proportion of the day when you're relatively good in an on phase will try to increase that by several hours at the expense of fewer hours spent in a poor off time. But I tell these people, once the fluctuations are there, they will stay. And I think this deep learning and managing expectations at the outset, both for physicians and for patients and families, is really crucial. The other thing to really carefully separate is these predictable fluctuations, which, as you said, are directly related to this pulsatile way of stimulating the brain, versus the unpredictable fluctuations. And for the latter, we know that gastrointestinal issues are Quite important. Delayed gastric emptying or the constipation, uh, bacterial overgrowth even, leading to annihilation of levodopa effects by enzymatic conversion in the gut. So if you do see people with rapid, unpredictable on-off fluctuations, consider the gut and treat the gut and not just prescribe more medication. Yeah.
0: And coming to this problem of regardless, there will have to be, unfortunately, remaining off periods. And sometimes it's only very distinct off-periods, like early morning off. Exactly. And this is, I think, where these on-demand treatments come in. Uh, And maybe not everyone listening is familiar with the term of on-demand therapy and what can be done. Would Would you give us some background on that?
1: No, absolutely. And just one quick thing about the therapies that you just mentioned. If you look at, for example, a drug like opicapone the most common side effect is dyskinesias, which is in every way understandable. It actually shows that the drug is working because you're now pushing the dopaminergic stimulation levels. And what is really important for clinicians listening today is to separate acceptable or non-cumbersome fluctuations from the fluctuating that are cumbersome and, and hampering them. The ideal patient is somebody who's mildly dyskinetic that's not really hampering them. So you shouldn't be too worried if you have an add-on therapy, have less off time at the price of a mild increase in dyskinesias. And clearly there can be debilitating dyskinesias that lead to weight loss, uh, sweating, uh, or that are simply just socially unacceptable. But mild dyskinesias are actually quite acceptable. I just wanted to raise that issue. Oh, I'm
0: grateful you're doing that because uh, there's just been a publication of a paper um, led by our colleague and friend Joaquim Ferreira, yeah. looking at the pharmacokinetics of levodopa, the peaking and the troughing and the fluctuating in plasma, um, as a function of adding or not adding opicapone, the CMT inhibitor. But the interesting thing about that study was it clearly showed that you can go down with levodopa. You can get, yeah. give less levodopa, and still have more stable, sustained exactly. plasma levels. And that is relevant, I think, also for this dyskinesia issue that you're alluding to. Uh, but let me come back to this filling the gaps or right. the the bumps in the road, the holes in the road that may still remain. You've you've smoothed out as much as you could, repaired the road, but it's still a little bumpy. Yeah. What can we do?
1: So now... Um, you've tried everything and there are still off periods. And then you can try so-called rescue treatments to try and bring patients more rapidly back to their normal levels than you would do with otherwise your regular oral therapy. And there's a number of strategies. One that is quite readily available is dispersible levodopa, um, which people can dissolve. And uh, that can be a way of bringing people rapidly back on. But I think one that has been used most widely and is the most powerful drug in our armamentarium is apomorphine subcutaneous injections, which can be used as an ad hoc treatment to bring people quickly back in a good on phase. Uh, obviously, they need the dexterity, some training with a nurse to do it, but many patients are actually surprisingly able to do this. And apomorphine injections are very good for these uh, unpredictable fluctuations. There's now a sublingual form, uh, under construction, a positive trial in the Lancet Neurology. So there are other ways of delivering the epimorphine. There's inhalable levodopa now available in the United States, I believe still not in any country in Europe, which is promising, which is also bypassing the unreliable gut that we talked about, which is, I think, important for many patients. So there are strategies to rapidly convert people back into an on-phase, which can be very
0: helpful. Yeah, I think that that needs to be stressed, that um, you... As a f- treating physician, you have to also accept not only the patients have to be managed in the expectation. As a physician, you have to accept that there, there are ways instead of doing the tenth or twelfth revision of the basic regimen, um, and why not resort to these on demand exactly. treatments? And some physicians I've met, particularly colleagues in the US have been in contact about they've had held a position, well, even if you haven't used everything yet in your armamentarium but somebody has early morning off, trembling, yeah. which will persist maybe for an hour even before drugs kick in, poor mobility, difficulty getting to the bathroom, uh, why not use an on-demand just for this particular situation? Or sometimes people have stressful tasks and chores. They may have public appearances, um, yeah. their tremor or their symptoms may be well controlled, but they 're afraid of that and it 's nice to have something on demand uh, that you uh, gives you support. you can do something at a at a, at a short at short notice so to speak yeah.
1: no, and I really like it that you add this because people tend to equate these rescue treatments with sort of late stage end parkinson 's disease but you 're right, you know this can be used earlier, and that fits on our global perspective of parkinson 's as a very treatable disease and that we shouldn't withhold these therapies from our patients, but aggressively treat Parkinson's during a phase when there's a lot to be gained. If you wait and wait until the whole brain is destructed, there's le- le- much less to be gained.
0: On and off, we, I think, both hope uh, that this phenomenon will more and more, not disappear maybe, but become less prevalent less as prevalent. we as we have new ways of delivering levodopa. We're all convinced uh, these issues are not because of some inherent problem with the drug levodopa itself, but they are a delivery problem, yeah. uh, so to speak. And um, of course, and we may have an opportunity in, in, in future podcasts to cover the developments in the very interesting developments in the delivery field of levodopa, including subcutaneous infusions even, yeah. that are at the doorstep. Um, but for today, I think we will leave it at that. We have covered three O's of the Parkinson Alphabet. Not all thinkable O's, but three. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for their interest and being with us. Of course, thank Bial again for the support and thank the Oren team for having produced these podcasts with us. Look Look forward to seeing you soon, or rather I won't see you, but to having you soon again with us keep
1: an ear open for the next Letter in the Alphabet
0: we hope you enjoyed today's podcast and look forward to seeing you next time don't forget to stay up to date with all the latest discussions and help spread awareness follow and subscribe you can find us on your favorite podcast platform and orwin.com